WWVU-FM, Morgantown. It's now time to beat the clock on U92 The Moose. Talking sports for the next two hours. Here's the team. Welcome in. It's Beat the Clock. It, good Lord, was it hard to do that today, fellas? And Anissa. Well, some people follow how much water to put in their mac and cheese. Others don't. Six all right? cups? I feel like that's a lot for one measly box. What are you gonna, dude, I don't know. Call Kraft and tell them. I'm not the one who made the box. <laughs> I, can't say the, I can't say the full saying on air. Good Lord. Right. I mean, I'm positive. That kind of sounded a little negative. It's America. American dream, baby. I don't smile. But, but I feel like you should be able to dream as many things as you want, you know? Gee. I'm very sore this morning. <laughs> I'm very, very sore. Yay, welcome in. Happy Monday. It's Beat the Clock here on U92. I'm Tanner, alongside Anissa, Sean, the other Tanner, and there's no bride today, so nobody's smiling. Uh, but we do have a guest in, uh, Mr. or sorry, not Mr. Sir, Jonathan Hamilton is here today uh, to talk with us for the next two hours right here on U92 The Moose. Uh, everybody, are we doing okay today, or... No, Sean, you look okay. Mounts, how we doing? I actually woke up like before my alarm. I was ready. Setting the tone for the week, huh? I don't know why, because I didn't go to bed till like two. But I'm also oh, not setting the tone for the week. I I'm woke up. I'm going to bed after this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sean and I's class and and Jonathan's, we don't have it this week, so yeah, I I don't even have to set an alarm when I go back to go back to sleep. I mean, just. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you, Tanner. Um, the class isn't is canceled. I woke up before my alarm, but not, the, the bedtime was a little late last night, unfortunately. But we're here, happy to make my first appearance here on on the show. Hey, so. congrats on your recent knighting, too, Sir Jonathan Hamilton. Oh yes, yeah. yes, it was very exciting. Now, now is that J O H N J O N J O E J O N J O N A T H A N? No, I I knew, I'm just making sure they got the scripting right on the. Uh, yeah. Broadsword or whatever they're yeah. using there. Well, yeah. I, you know, I just wanted to make sure, you know, All right. out into the airwaves, right? Yeah, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. Uh, we'll start with WVU Baseball, who last Friday, uh, last week, they were 2-2 two and two heading into the weekend. 4-3 and three coming out of it. Uh, they play tonight against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, I said that. That's correct. Tonight against the Arizona Diamondbacks. It's an exhibition game, but something pretty cool. Uh but they're able to split, or not split, they win the series against uh, the University of Arizona Wildcats. Uh, Friday's game was probably the most exciting game. The other two were pretty lopsided. Uh, Saturday they lose, or they win six or 5-1. And then Sunday, yesterday, they lose 15-5. But it was Friday night where it was Maisie Ball at its finest in the 11th inning. J.J. Uh, Weatherholt just steals home. To win it outright, uh, so or well, you know, then they had to go pitch and whatever. But uh, that, that that was that, that's how they scored, uh, and, and they end up winning uh, six to five again on Friday. Uh, Anissa, what did you think of the weekend? And we'll go around the room. Um, <clears throat> it was definitely a um, interesting series coming into Arizona. I think all odds were kind of placed against them. Nobody really thought that they were gonna 
I guess pull out the wins yeah, in these they, series. The, uh, I think only Twitter had that. Like I, there was only one writer or somebody who who picked them to win the yeah, series. Yeah, I think he was a former college athlete, like baseball player too. Yeah. Um, he was the only one out of I want to say like twelve of them or something like that who thought that WVU was going to be able to um, eke out a win in this series. But um, besides the game from yesterday or the night before, they really just you know didn't, I guess, perform as well as everybody thought they would. Um, they just kind of, like, got those wins and were able to, you know, go through with them. The other game where they got blown out, I mean, really can't say much about that. It happens. Like, you just move on from it and you go to the next game, the Arizona Diamondbacks game tonight. Um, I don't know who they're going to be playing against. Like, I don't know, like, who the Diamondbacks are going to kind of be, like, throwing in there. I guess a lot of Probably their... Probably not Cattell Marte, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably guess a lot of their um, minor leaguers who are just, like, coming up, who were invited to spring training, they're going to throw in there. Um, still an exciting opportunity for the Mountaineers, though. Yeah, that's got to be one of the coolest things because, I mean, most of the players on the team probably have their eyes set on, like, you know, that's where they want to end up one day is, you know, in in, in a role like they're about to face. Um, so, I mean, that'll be pretty cool for them. Uh I don't know. I'm, I don't. I, I wonder how the major league team feels about it. Like, oh, you have a spring training game, but it's against the against the NCAA school. So, if you really think about it, like they're all minor leaguers who were probably in um, the Mountaineers' positions not even you know more than five years ago. So they kind of see themselves, and you know, it's an exciting opportunity again. Like they're not much different. These Diamondback players who were you know just invited to spring training or have been in their farm system for a while. They're not much different than the Mountaineers, so again, it's just I think a just a regular baseball game. It's more but, evenly matched, and you know, than meets the eye. I mean, you know, the Diamondbacks are playing a bunch of young guys, I'm sure, in the Mountaineers. It's an attractive game. Like yeah, people I mean, want to see, fun. like you know, you have a lot of people on Twitter who want to see this game. Yeah. I don't think they're streaming it anywhere. Um, yeah, I'm so unless to look for that right now, unless you're in Scottsdale, is that where they do? Or? Yeah, I'll yeah. give somebody twenty bucks if they know the name of the stadium without looking at talking. It. St- Dick or something. Wow, Jonathan, look at you. <laughs> it's the uh, I'm not giving it to you because you didn't get the whole thing. Oh, for God's sake. Are you uh, kidding me? Salt yeah. River Fields. At yeah, yeah, way to look at the computer now. It's Salt River Fields. <laughs> yeah, his computer's open t- too. Talking I stick. have the statistics yeah, from the yeah, game ha- open. Yeah, Hamilton's probably been out there to Arizona to see spring training. I, I feel not. like that's something he would do. I have not. I, I want Isn't to. that where Boston is? Or no, they no, they're in Florida. Too? I yeah. can't remember because I know like Cleveland and Cincinnati both go out to Arizona. It makes no sense. Reason. Haven't you been to like twenty major league stadiums? Been to seventeen. I've been. To, I'm going to Cincinnati in April, and then I want to get St. Louis and Kansas City next. That would be the goal. So and then I, I got to hit Florida. I just want to ask this question and go off the track for one second. Sure. What's your favorite stadium? PNC Park. Really? Yep. I yeah. I probably say most. I haven't been to PNC yet. I'm waiting. Um, the Yankees are going to be there. Yep. In September, which it's going to be when, you know, Pitt's here for the Backyard Brawl on that Saturday, yeah. and the Yankees have a weekend series that, there. That is a long weekend for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. Now you'll probably be working the Pitt game. Yeah. You which will make it not as long. <clears throat> and the cool thing is, is like, okay. now every team in the MLB plays each other. That never used to be a thing, yeah, but starting this cool year. That's not a thing, in my opinion. You don't like yeah. it? No. Why? I think it is. I think it's cool. You get to see everyone Why wouldn't they Why all play like each it? other? I feel like all of you would have just agreed with me as traditionalist people, but apparently not. I didn't expect that. Sean, do you like it at all or no? Why would you not well, enjoy wanna... seeing everybody? I like. I, 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 I like... think it's cool because, like, 
Never just get to, to beat see up on the Red Sox. You get to like, right. you just get to see the stars of the MLB that you don't normally yeah, get no, to I see. I get that part. I'm just saying, like, so your only reasoning no, against wanted, it is I, I don't like how there's even less division games. I get why. I understand that. Like, I would have but... rather them done it a different way, where you know I think that you could make that happen a lot easier. I don't know. Yeah, maybe throwing some more divisional games, but that, I mean. All. I mean, ah. do we want to play 15 or 17 instead of 13? Like, you, you want yeah. to just keep yeah, it 19? I, or, I don't know. I just, it's, I, I just think it's really cool. come down to one, right? Yeah. I mean, we saw yeah. it multiple times last year. So, I don't know. Um, I, I did not think all of you were going to disagree. I, I'm a like traditionalist it until it doesn't make sense. Okay. I mean, no, I get why they're doing it. I think it'll be fun. I just am like, eh. While we're on the terms of, like, MLB and differences, how do we feel about the uh, – the new pitch clock. I love it. I love it as well. I think it it's seems a, a little too short. Players, it seems gonna, right now they seem rushed. It, they seem rushed right now. Well, that's why they're doing it now. They're getting used to it. I think you. Add, I know, but I think you add another. What is it right now? Fifteen, 15 without runners. Twenty with runners. On I board. think it's twenty twenty five, and you like you're good. I think it. It definitely looks a bit more rushed than I remember watching it in the minor leagues. Um, and one thing I didn't think about before watching it. Uh, Right now, it's definitely more of an advantage to pitchers than it is uh, hitters. Because um, I know Justin Turner was interviewing. He said it, it's different to adjust. Like they, one, they have to adjust to the to playing baseball again, and now they have to adjust to getting into a rhythm. And this really benefits like like Max Scherzer. I think he's in such a rhythm all the time. I imagine like imagine Mark, having Mark to, you have. Imagine having like 15 seconds to get ready for a pitch against like Max Scherzer. Like that's insane. <laughs> and and yeah, but in, and they're going to get used to it because they have all of a spring training and then it's going to take at least a couple weeks into the regular season, but they'll get it down. It just it seems a little bit fast. I'm, I I think it's going to be a big benefit because I mean, you look at how long the games are now, like most of them finish at 2 hours and 30 plus minutes, which is what the MLB wants. Um, but it definitely seems it definitely seems a bit uh, faster than what I remember seeing in the minor leagues. But again, the players will get used to it, and we'll be talking about it like it's just a normal thing in a couple weeks here. Right, because it will be. I yeah, mean, yeah. Know, like the other thing you got to think about too is the fact that you know the pitchers have to get used to it too. So like a lot of the slow workers around the league. Are gonna have to change them, you know. That's Shohei Otani. That's you, Darvish. That's these guys who really take their time, and now they have to adjust to it as well. And so, yeah, there's gonna be a give and take. But I mean, there's a month of spring training to give. And which take is exactly which is exactly why I don't think we'll be well, right. players won't be complaining you know, about it for a little bit. Right. You're. I mean, it's their first. We, it's their first game right. action of the year. So right. of we, course they're gonna. It's and they have to learn these brand new rules. A rule that directly affects them. Uh, every time they step up to the plate. So they're going to figure it out. But, yeah, no, it's definitely uh, different. Okay, Terry, you can go. I yeah, I, like, I was, was going to say, as of right now, I don't like it just because it seems rushed. But, like you said, they have a month of spring training. So if they can get it down to, like, where there's a rhythm and it doesn't feel like, you know, they throw the pitch and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're on the clock. Like, you got to go, 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 which is kind of what watching it so far, that's what it's felt like. Uh, and I don't like that because I've always kind of liked how baseball is, you know, you have that like that rhythm of baseball, that meticulous, you know, yes, 
do they take too long sometimes? Absolutely, which is why I think the clock's needed. But if it stays rushed like this, I think five extra seconds wouldn't be terrible. I don't know if they'll actually do that. but I mean, well, like, okay, so about that. So, like, let's think about it. All right, so if they change it to 25, that means every guy's still going to be getting ready at 20. You know what I mean? Like, they're just going to extend the period mm-hmm. it's going to take them to go into the box anyway, which is still just slowing it down for no reason. If you force them to get in there at 15, then you force them to get – if it'd be 20, they still wouldn't try to step in until about 17 seconds anyway. Like, that, that, that's what these guys would do. I mean, also, the other thing I don't like about it is we've already seen games end on the pitch yeah, clock. Yeah, I think that we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see the that. The ninth that inning – I think it needs to be removed in the ninth inning extras when the pitches matter more because then you get the, the drawn-out excitement – Aren't you the guy who said you got to call the penalty at any time in football? I mean, yeah, but like, it's, it's different just, in baseball, I think. I, I don't. you I, play, there's, like, I don't know. Like, it's just. Like, well, like, I mean, once this is in there, it's in there, and you just got to get used to it. Or yeah, it was crazy. To or see add a couple. Happened. Or add a couple t- seconds in the ninth inning. Something like because nobody's gonna want to see a playoff game end on that. No, but I don't think think that's that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I'd be shocked if they let it happen. I I also think the umpires might not always enforce it strictly. Right, I think that's where you're going to see it. It's going to become a little bit more... And that's the other thing is, like, then it becomes incredibly... It's like calling a ball or strike. It becomes incredibly subjective where... So then if you'd rather have it hard and fast, then let it be hard and fast, right? I mean, I guess. Yeah. Well, the thing about – are you kidding me? Are you seriously kidding me, Mounts? He's, he walked away from the mic. He's just laughing to himself right now. The thing about the pitch clock for me is I saw a lot of people, you know, saying that they're not – you're not going to see a lot of no-hitters this year. Last year, we had like, you know, 20-plus no-hitters. I'm pretty sure there was. No, there's that no, might, that I'm, might. I'm pretty sure it was somewhere like underneath 20, but it was definitely high in the teens. Um, Maybe combined. Were there like seven in like April? Yeah, that's yeah. true. There was yeah. a ton right off. I'm, I'm talking about balls. just for the, like the whole year. Yeah. No, I know. So I guess maybe. Um, I'm not talking about like a specific month. Right. But I don't think you're going to see a lot of no hitters this year because a lot of pitchers. It's not that they take a long time to I guess get ready I think it's more of the batters who need more of that time but no I agree with Mounts extending the pitch clock you know to be 20 and then 25 would I think would be a little bit better for the league I mean Hmm. you already see people complaining I know they're never going to satisfy everyone you have a lot of you know traditional baseball player baseball fans who absolutely hate the pitch clock who hate that it's being rushed you know Pretty sure people want to go to their four-hour game. Some people do. Not all of them do, though. What's the number, Mounts? Only one outright. There's a bunch of thirteen total. Well, one outright, yeah. Yeah. yeah, including four in the postseason. Yes, yeah, so the thirteen. That's a high number yeah. for a combined no hit. Okay, not yeah. twenty, but still thirteen. I'm not talking about like one single pitcher, like I mean, you know, combined throughout the season. Compared to six the year before that, and I mean, 2020 was a shortened season, but only two that year. And so it was definitely up. Yeah. And yeah. batting averages are still down. It definitely the most we've seen this decade. Didn't 2012 have two perfect games? Something like that. And that was the last Actually, one. Actually, tw- yeah, 2012 has a bunch. 
Um, and that was a lot less combined no hitters. Yeah, Matt they had Kane, two, Felix two perfect, ga- three perfect games in 2012. I think 2021 had a no hitter. I, I remember one specifically. It was Corey hmm. Kluber's against the Texas Rangers. Oh yeah, Wednesday night. That, oh, 2021 was the one with a bunch of no hitters in eight. Um, in like the earlier part of the 2022. Season. I know there was a combined no hitter because. I was at it because the Yankees. <laughs> it happened to the Yankees. I was actually. At, I, I counted. Was, I did count wrong. Twenty twenty one also at thirteen. I, I went, missed the second half of that. I went okay. last year. <laughs> the whole second half of the year. Well, because it breaks for whatever reason. There's like a bar that goes through and breaks it up. I no. thought I like was breaking it up by a year. No, no. it I just went, cuts through at a random point. I was point. one out away from seeing Dylan Cease throw a no hitter in September. Nice. Very upsetting. Too bad. Luis uh, Arias. We'll come back to this conversation, but really quick, this just end from Schefter. Okay, be yeah, ready to be shocked. Yeah, the Bears that. have mm-hmm. been approached to trade the number one pick. Shocking. I mean, just I mean that's news. Extra. <laughs> what are we doing? Well, I mean, like, so it is the combine this week, and it's John. Uh, it's it's f- not hold breaking on. news. Hold, I know, but I'm just saying. The combine, it's I like up on it. they yeah. kind of like lie to you. Like they say, oh, it's a draft event. It's really like a free agent and trade event because all the GMs are going to be there and all the agents are going to be there. So that's when you really learn of these trades and it's when you really learn of you know where potential free agent signee, signees are going to go just because everyone's always there. Just think of all the big trades that... The new music pioneer, 91.7, U92. I don't know. I mean, people are saying, like, there are other ones, other fights for Jake Paul. Um, people are saying, like, oh, it's rigged, like, fake punches, or they had they knew it was coming. I don't know. With this one, like, it was a split decision. They were, they were going at each other. And then the other thing is, I don't even think it was for money, because they had a deal. Jake Paul said, like, you know, I'm not just doing this for money, because... Or I'm not just gonna like beat you, and you're gonna get your bag. If I beat you, you give me what you get in the fight. If you win, I'll double what you get in the fight. Is what he said. Um, to basically be like, okay, because people have said, oh, his opponents are just fighting him to get money out of the big deal, the attention that he brings in, losing on purpose early, and then you know just taking their bag and running. But I don't know. I think it was a heck of a fight. I, I agree with the split decision. There's a knockdown in the last round. They were going at each other. People are saying he slipped. Like when you slip because you got punched, like that's that's a knockdown. People are saying, "Oh, that's not a knockdown. He slipped." Did you see? Did any of you guys see the video of the knockdown? No. You saw it? Yeah. I mean, like, he, yeah, I did. Like he slipped, but like he got slipped because he got knocked back by a jab. Like that's a knockdown. But I don't know. I'm a big Jake Paul guy because I think everyone complains that oh, it's rigged and all that. They just don't want to admit that he's actually a decent boxer, but. That's my take on the fight. You guys all hate Jake Paul? I don't care. Yeah, I don't really care either. I like him. I like him. I mean, that's, yeah, They're I, geniuses. Both the Paul brothers are geniuses. All right. I, I want to go that far. Yeah, let's, okay. let's pump the brakes. Okay. They've made a lot of financial geniuses, okay. I should say. Like, yeah. they know how to build. They've built their brand incredibly they're, they're smart. At, yeah, they're good at they're, Yes. Yeah. Um, Logan Paul in the WWE, perfect fit, too. Have you watched that at all? No. Perfect fit. Perfect. He's, he's I'm glad crazy that you good. enjoy the Paul brothers like you did when you were 10. I didn't know that he went to the WWE. He's had a couple of appearances. And, like, he's made some crazy. Yeah, he did tear his ACL. But he's had some crazy, like, from the top ropes, like, jumping 
like frog spot. Like it's listen. Say I what you I... want about WWE. Like it's I wouldn't say it's it's scripted, but not fake. Oh no, no they're definitely I, doing I a lot of yeah. crazy mm-hmm. athletic. Yes. And, no, I completely. I used to love. It. I just don't watch it anymore. Oh yeah, because like the storylines are just. I, well, I bought into them as a kid. Storylines. I, I, I know that the uh, one of the guys I listen to on the radio who watches it all the time and like has watched it since you know the eight, late eighties and nineties says that you know they actually have good storylines now. But like I'm just not bought into any of those people. You know, it's not like it's the big show or any of these people that we were when we were kids. I'm sure that you know, I mean, WWE's revenue was like the highest it's ever been last year or something. And McMahon's trying to sell it. We can talk about that at some point. He has to, he's being well, forced to sell it. No, but he's going to sell it to the Saudi Arabian royal family who owns Live Golf or something is the, That's... Is the guess. And he thinks he's going to get nine billion dollars mm. for the WWE. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to speculate on anything. No, I like well, that. no, That's just what I. I've seen that. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Tom and Levi. Tom is the smartest man I know. He's been a professor at two major universities, he's been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, he told me that he was having um, problems in his classes. I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. And he was telling them that he was doing it as a favor to them, but I think in reality, he just wanted to get out of there. Um, I was really starting to worry because I saw something was wrong. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me, and my love for him was just immense. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Sarah Bates now. Two seconds on the shot clock. She's got to throw one up. Hits the rim and she hits it. Sarah Bates from deep. U92 The Moose, home of West Virginia women's basketball right here on 91.7. With pregame, halftime, and postgame analysis of every Mountaineer home matchup. She gets a screen from Watson. Now kicks it over in the corner. It's open for Danny Nichols at the buzzer. She hits it. Danny Nichols, 56-48 West Virginia. Great ball movement there. What a play by the Mountaineers. Join the sports staff for all the coverage here on 91.7. This is WWVU Morgantown. Baseball season is back on U92. Catch every home game on 91.7 with coverage starting a half an hour before first pitch. you got to put the ball in play. 0-2. He does put the ball in play. Fair down the right field line. One run is in. Two runs are in. Abernathy being waved home. There is no throw at the plate. It's a double from Dane Leonard. A three-run double. With great non-conference series against the likes of Penn State, Xavier, Pitt, and Marshall, you do not want to miss this season. Smith ready. The 1-2. Swing and a miss again. Smith gets out of it. He inherits two runners and no outs and strands both of them at second and third. Join the sports staff as they cover the Mountaineers series for the Big 12 Conference this spring, right here on U92 The Moose. That's the ball game. West Virginia takes down number 18, Texas in Morgantown.
Well, we're going to see what happens if that happens again. I went in there. There's nothing automated scheduled right now. I don't know what's going on with the computer. There's no other tabs open. No nothing. I don't know what's happening, guys. I apologize. We attribute it to the fact that Sir Jonathan Hamilton's here. Yeah. And Brian's smile is not here to kind of fix the radio jar. Yeah, I I, I don't know what's happening. I I will have to uh, come back later. My mistake, guys. See what's happening because it does not make any sense at all. Uh, But that's okay. All right, so before the break, we were kind of talking about the WWE, and I think we can be done with that. Yeah, I was going to ask Sean about uh, if he has any thoughts on the other night about it, you know, drawing bees. Almost crazy shot. I, I'm I'm numb to the the Sixers at this point. I called it. I was talking. I was watching with my roommate. I said, Jason Tatum's played terrible all game. He's gonna hit the he's gonna hit the three, and that Mike bring bang's gonna hurt mm-hmm. as much as anything. And it happened. It happened. And then he did, but time expired. So it did go in. Yes. I couldn't tell. And then Paul George did the exact same thing last night. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, shoot shoot, it's, it's, it's I the just, Celtics. I, 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 just, I, I, I don't you, like that You know team. that the Celtics haven't beat the Magic this year? Good for you. I'm really happy that I, you I just that don't know if that makes you feel better or not. I mean, it doesn't. Because, because, because Al Horford had a... He's nice. Yeah, I like Al Horford. I, he's nice oh, do you? Yeah. Probably, do you? probably, probably top ten I'm of the big, generation. I'm a, big, I'm a big Al Horford guy. Don't talk to me about Al Horford. <laughs> Prime Al Horford was different. Yeah, he was. At Atlanta? Yeah. Whew. Right when he went to Philly that first time? Don't talk about it. I don't. I really don't want to talk about it. I just, I just, I, I love how uh, Philly had that comeback win against Memphis. Yeah. Like, my Twitter fills up with, like, the Sixers team, man. Big comeback. I mean, it wasn't you. I'm not, I'm not calling you out. I'm mm-hmm. just saying, like, other people. Oh, mine was him, so it's okay. <laughs> um, it was like... Here we go. This team, Joel Embiid, MVP. We're going to make this run, beat a good team. Then they lose the Celtics in a close game against a very good team. Now, so they're like, oh, here we go. You know, Doc Rivers blows the game. We're going to do this again. He actually did that, I, which no, is the funniest that, thing. I get that, but I'm just saying, like, Doc Rivers. Yeah, in the matter of a week, they went from this is it to, oh, uh, this isn't going to work out again. And then they'll win a big game. They'll be like, this is it. Oh, this won't work out. It's just, lucky I don't follow the NBA that hard, Tansky. Because it's so funny. We talk a lot that. more trash. No, it's really not. Oh, funny. I think it's hilarious. I don't like it at all. Do you, Do you guys realize we have buried the lead the entire morning? Right, we've done forty five minutes. We haven't mentioned what happened yet over the weekend. Uh, let's. You want to you keep that going? I would like to actually hold off on that. You want to um, hold off and do the whole 8 o'clock hour on that? Well, I actually oh. sent Sean a very funny... I actually tagged him in a very funny meme. It's um the Sixers' 10 stages of grief. And it's just them going back and forth between right, saying... Sure keep it FCC. I'm not going to say... Oh, my All God. Right. It's right. them saying, you know, it's over. Oh, we're back. It's over. We're back. It's just constant cycle back and forth. And that's really what we should see on Sean's Twitter all the time. He's like, yeah, the 76ers are back. They're going to win this game. It's going to be a complete, you know, annihilation. I don't know if he's ever said they're back. I'm not going to say. I won't say that. But, like, then he goes, they lost. And it's all Doc Rivers' fault. You should go check out Sean's twin. There's The funny thing about that meme is that there's just one that says that one. It's it's, it's something over the entire time. And then my favorite one is the Doc Rivers cycle. Blow a, blow a lead, blow a lead, blow a lead, blow a lead, because that's mm. all he does. What about the comeback win? Does he get credit for that big comeback nope, win? he doesn't. Yeah. That's Philly. This is the guy we're dealing with. 
Philly fans for you. Retweeted 18 hours ago. They really let the NL champs add Trey Turner. Yeah, uh, they did. He wears a white T-shirt. Don't win the AL East on Saturday, and you know, tags me in that. Uh, you can't fool me. I'm familiar with, familiar with your game, and that's you know that. Are we just quote. roasting my? And then it's Twitter right <laughs> now. Like, what is take this? A 15 point lead, but it's the third quarter, so you know then they blow it. So I just think it's funny. Uh, I also do love the fact that you wrote a letter to the Phillies this off season. Thank you. Right that's a good letter. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dear Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, I have to get Rockets, in. I have to get in my writing somehow. Rockets team owner Tillman for Ferretta, Furtada. I don't know. Has Furtada? Furtada. That must be it. No. It's actually. Yeah. I can't. I don't know. Somebody look at that and tell me how to say it. Uh, he has reportedly submitted a bid as a dark horse candidate to buy the Washington Commanders. Mm. Apparently, this is the guy that. Also helped Houston pay for Dana Holgerson. So I I whew. I thought for a second you were gonna say you're selling the Rockets and I was like, heck I might invest with that in that with the chance to get Victor that's gonna add half a billion dollars just by drafting him. Like that'd be yeah, a but, huge right, investment. Listen, so he's gonna play guard, right? He's He's gonna be just fine. Until Giannis, he has to put he has to put weight on him. He has to he has to add weight. Look at KD. KD can't guard Giannis either. What's that mismatch happening? Like, what makes you think he's going to guard Giannis? No, I'm not saying that. I mean, you never know. But like, offensively, I think he will be fine. It's just defensively, what is this guy going to do? I think it's the same issue I had with Chet Holgram coming out of school. And he's and he's then, a big yeah, the, guy, the ability he, to stay and Chet too. Chet's already hurt. I mean, no, he yeah, misses, he's going to miss his rookie. The year. healthy thing, I'll give you that. Like, like, how many being able to stay do healthy. You realistically, think you're going to get out of this guy? Doesn't it make more sense to what's the guy's name from the G League that I can't? Scoot Henderson. Yeah. You think you'd actually take? Scoot well, no, Henderson but like if you have the one pick, I think you really do have to sit here and say, all right, five years out, is Wimbin Yama even played in the playoffs yet as a healthy player, or has he been? You hurt? don't know. Like, you can't pass up that. We've never the seen ceiling. a guy at this height go, be successful in the league. Yao Ming. He but, also but had a ton of injuries. He also had a and ton of injuries. Hurt too, but like, you, I mean, you go back. I get that it wasn't the same era, but like Bull Bull or Bull Bull, Manute Bull could not play because he was never healthy late in the season. I'm just so saying, like, I, 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 get, I get the injury thing, but def- like, if he is healthy. He's going to be incredible. But, like, I think if you go with the Scoot guy who's, you know. Scoot if, Henderson. If, if Wimbenyama wasn't here, everybody would be loving him the same I know, way. and that's crazy. Yeah, Henderson, so, Henderson I don't know, would be the, a number one pick in any other class. Not the, not the, they wouldn't be loving him the same way. He'd be he'd be highly praised, but not well, yeah, like yeah, this. Yeah. Not like this. But, like, I mean, if you're the Rockets, doesn't it make more sense to do a more long-term for sure thing? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. You okay. have to Like, see, anyway, trade. like, even – even though our, the concerns with Wembenyana, like with the prior track history of big guys struggling to stay healthy and then guys his size struggling to stay healthy, you still are taking Victor Wembenyana because the potential is still out of this world. Okay. And what that could potentially mean for your franchise, uh, you you take him. I think if he stays healthy, if you get seven, eight years of a healthy, no, I agree. A healthy he, victor. It's just hard to project. Five, it's probably good it's hard to project, but I mean, at the same time, like it's hard to project. Oh, we don't know if he's healthy. It's hard to project if he will be healthy or if he stays healthy or whatnot. It's, I just, he is insane. I, no, I get it. I just, I don't, I get, I get, yeah, 
that video of him, you know, getting crushed in the post. But well, it's not even that. It's just like I, mean, I get the uh, health things, like well, I, all of that. He can't guard one through three, probably. No, but he it's... can. He might not lateral quickness. He might not be able to. But he has the length. He has the absolute length where you can give yeah, so true. much space and just put an arm up, and yeah. like you're there. I get that. All right. Well, I, I I don't know. I just think that it's interesting, and like at some point he will end up guarding a five, and no, oh, he will. I mean, he will get destroyed, and that happens with all changed. players. I mean, you see point guards get switched on the centers, and they that's well, just a bucket. That's just yeah, two points. N- like no kidding, but they're also not seven five asking to be listed at seven two. I don't know, man. I think that's a difference. I I, I give you say I for me though. I think you really have to look at it and say long term. What makes more sense here? And you never know. Uh, because I'm know. not saying that he's going to work out better than than Scoot Henderson. But I think with the upside and potential that well, he right. has. Doesn't it, matter, is, it doesn't matter that he's an international at all and his level of competition is not what they're playing with. Look at Luca. No, L- I, Luca came in and dominated. I get that. So, no, that's what, like, so they don't even care about that as well. No, not really. No. Yeah. Think of all the other lottery guys from right, you guys Giannis played overseas yeah, but here. Then you also, you know, Chris Stapps yeah, Chris was a top was a five guy pick. who was a top five pick who did not work out. Ah, uh, he had two All Star years. He, like, he, yeah, he, he was on the. Phil- he got. He got. He got New York a ton of picks and. He also back. wasn't yeah. supposed to go as high as they took him. All right. To well, his. Okay. To but his it's like it's. But it's like it's sort of like anything. Like you could take. Highly touted college prospect and might not work out. Yeah, it's just or, I'm just asking. You know, okay, uh, you guys watch the XFL this weekend? Yeah, I saw the saw interview pilots. with the coach on the sideline uh, saying we need new players on the field, players who actually care, and that's all I saw. <laughs> okay. I think we should also talk about AJ McCarron and that story. Well, that yeah, we cool. can. Um, I just thought that I mean, there's a lot of things I do like about it. In no way am I saying it's better or comparable to the NFL. No. Do you like the kickoff? I'm expecting that, huh? I, I originally, it's not. I don't think it's trying to be. I think it's just supposed right, to be a but supplemental. Like, there are some things that they do where you're like, actually, this would be kind of cool to see. And league. I think that's why the NFL likes it because they're like, okay, we can get. They're not in any kind of competition to us. Well, right. And like we can fourth and fifteen. We more. can get football fans takes and opinions on all these different things that they're trying. What yeah, do we want to implement? Really listens to their fans. I mean, I'm just saying. Like, well, I like the honestly. I think the kickoff rule that they do it looks stupid, but like, I think it's great. Kickoff is the most dangerous play in football. No, I, yeah, I, and yeah, I think yeah. that I, it, of all the things that the NFL will take from that league, I think that'll be what they take. Where does the kick have to reach again? The 20 yard line, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that one's not bad, but like, I'm saying from a game broadcast standpoint on TV, you know, they show you the referee room when they're yeah. making a call. Yeah. And they, you, you get the I audio. I don't think the NFL will ever transparent. No, they won't. The NFL is not don't transparent think they with their fans. That. That's what I'm saying. Is like that would be nice to see. Like, there's no reason for the officials on the field anymore to even make calls because why you we don't do have it all on TV now with 85 angles and all of this stuff, and it doesn't matter. Why we don't have a chip in the ball like in those or big piles? Or full time officials? That yeah. Well, that's clearly step one but why they don't have the chip in the ball for like goal line and those big piles where officials just have to literally guess or like yeah i get it um one of the other things too that i think is interesting that i know the nfl will never do is like they play the coach talking like they play the oc or dc calling the play down to the mike linebacker to the 
Yeah, the NFL. NFL ain't doing that. The teams won't like that. That one I don't really care about. I mean, from like it's a, cool to watch from but... a broadcaster's perspective. Like you calling the game, you get to shut up all the time and let all these other people talk, so you don't have to. That'd be kind of nice. Yeah, I guarantee he's still getting paid the same. Not uh, quite. Well, no, not like an NFL number, yeah. but like you know whatever his salary was for you know I forget who it was. I know that uh, who's the guy they have on. What is it? Maybe maybe it is just ESPN college football. The old uh, Bama quarterback from like t- 2010. AJ uh, McCarron? No, no, the one right before McCarron, I think. No, no idea. idea. Any, Greg McElroy? Does that sound right? Greg McElroy. Yeah, he played yeah. at Bama, right? From West Virginia University. This is U92. Turn the stream back. I, I, I got to come back in here later. I, I don't know what is it. We'll shut down the computer, I guess, after the show. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't understand. Okay, whatever. Uh, They're we, missing out. We got two minutes, and then we'll hit a break before we come back to talk about West Virginia basketball for an hour. I don't know if we're going to be able to do that, but... Yeah, we are. We can do it. Are you that frustrated still? I don't think there's that much to talk about. Yeah, there is. I don't know. Oh yeah, I can talk bracketology for. I can do oh, fill in the rest. This was a. Not only did they lose, did the little preview and then what's coming up. Not only did they lose a Kansas blow game that almost would have been a did lock. They blow the game, or would you consider that Kansas blow? I went. Yeah, I wouldn't say they blew it. They did not take advantage of an opportunity that was in front of them. Correct. Uh, this weekend that would have put them in a situation where. You're almost a lock. Not quite a lock, but almost a lock. Yeah, unless you get blown out the next two games. And, yeah. I still don't know if it would have mattered. Um, now you lose that game and the bunch of other bubble teams win against ranked opponents, and it's, it was not a great weekend for, yeah, UNC. for men's. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll get into all of those, but not a great weekend result-wise for uh, West Virginia basketball. All right. Oh, for the men's team. Oh yeah. Say. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the yeah. women's women team. did good. The women the women however, yeah. I think they're you know, <laughs> That was close though. Almost. Well, <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, uh yeah. Um some of the other teams from West Virginia also competing this weekend. Uh the swim and dive team, they brought home a bunch of medals. Oh yeah. Yeah, so that was good to see. I heard the plane was uh weighed down with all the metal they brought back. That's not what I heard about the plane. <laughs> no, that's joking. funny. Um, <laughs> what did you hear? Oh, they had to, like they, something got rerouted, and they had to fly to St. Louis first. Oh, I did actually. I did see that or something, which sucks, and uh, that's not great. Um, but you know, more in-depth conversation about the rest of West Virginia athletics on the Mountaineer Sports Insider podcast. You see what I did there? Go subscribe. Oh, nice little plug. Uh, I would like to say though that Rifle, you yeah. forgot to mention, Rifle I, brought home. I didn't the, forget. I, I okay, just started well, swimming dive. I was there yesterday, so let me just say it. Rifle took home. Um, Gark, that's their conference they're in. There's no Big 12 Rifle Conference. Um, Gark is great. American Rifle Conference. Yeah, so it's I didn't know if you were fantastic. saying Gark or GARC. Luke Blaine Gark. doesn't know which one to use. I use. I just say Gark because yeah, that's no, what that's the what rifle team say. uses. Yeah. Um, but they took home the Gark Championship for the team. And while they did not take home, um, I want to say it was the... I don't know what the stand-up rifle position is. Um, they didn't take that one home. That belonged to Sophia. I think they won small board, right? Yes, but Sophia they... Ciccarelli took home the 
from um, University of Kentucky. She took home the one from yesterday. Um, but uh, West Virginia's very own Tal Engler took home the championship in small bore. So congratulations to Tal and congratulations to the rifle team as a whole. Um, if you guys have never seen a rifle match, it looks boring, but it is very, very interesting. Like, down to the wire. When we come back on the other side, like, if Tanner allows it. Um, just <laughs> what is this? He has a very strict schedule he likes to stick to. Yeah, um, yeah. But we talked they, about like, Kurt Bush for an hour today, but yeah. Yeah, you know. Kyle, get it right. Kyle, Kurt, it's a K name. Just shove one of them out there. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Rifle... <laughs> <laughs> Rifle is very interesting, and we were all, like, biting our nails yesterday because when it comes to crowning a champion, they have to go shot by shot, and whoever, you know, gets the, um, I guess, highest scoring shot for that round gets two points, and the first one is 16 points wins. So it was a nice little nail-biter back and forth with West Virginia's Mary Tucker and University of Kentucky's Sophia Ciccarelli. Um Unfortunately, it didn't end well for Mary, but she still shot very good. And, again, we wish the team their absolute best as they go to NCAA um, championships next week in, I want to say, I think they're going to Ohio State. Uh, Akron? I thought it was Lexington. No. Is it not? They're going to Akron, I think. Okay. I don't know. We Lexington, Akron, one of those places. Maybe it'll be Fairbanks. Uh, whatever. Fairbanks, Alaska. They're yeah. going to stay at Luke Blaine's um, yeah. summer home up there. Well, that's where that's when he went and bought the places when they were up there earlier this season. Uh, but that'll do it for the first hour. We'll be back after this discussing West Virginia basketball. We've held off till now, but uh, we will dive right in when we get back. Hopefully we can figure out these computer issues as well. This is U92. But Sarah Bates now, two seconds on the shot clock. She's got to throw one up. Hits the rim and she hits it. Sarah Bates from deep. U92 The Moose, home of West Virginia women's basketball right here on 91.7, with pregame, halftime, and postgame analysis of every Mountaineer home matchup. She gets a screen from Watson, now kicks it over in the well corner. It's open for Danny Nichols at the buzzer. She hits it. Danny Nichols, 56-48, West Virginia. Great ball movement there. What a play by the Mountaineers. Join the sports staff for all the coverage here on 91.7. Hi, this is Eboshi from Cartel Madras, and you're listening to WWVU in Morgantown, West Virginia. From West Virginia University, this is U92. Have you been missing out on quality sports content? Don't look any further than right here at U92 The Boost. Wednesday night, 6 to 10, it's the sports page. You know, the defense kind of gets lackadaisical. Man. Obviously. That's a big word, Brian. Yeah, I don't know how to spell it, so don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> You know what that means, Sean? Lackadaisical. I don't even know what it means. It just sounded right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> last day, uh, they get lax in their they, effort. They get maybe. lax? Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe. Missed it? Don't worry. Subscribe to the podcast and at United2TheMoose.com. What's poppin'? What's poppin', everybody? I'm Mike. I'm Brian. And this is Hoopin' with Mike and Brian, a sports podcast where we talk everything hoops, giving insight, giving our own opinion about the basketball world. Right? Yeah, we're out on all platforms, as we know. And along with that, make sure you subscribe to our socials. Uh, on YouTube, we are at Hoopin' with Mike and Brian. On Instagram, we're at Hoopin.mb. On TikTok, we're also at Hoopin.mb. And then on Twitter, we're at Hoopin' underscore MB. Yeah. Keep hoopin'. Baseball season is back on U92. Catch every home game on 91.7 with coverage starting a half an hour before first pitch. you got to put the ball in play. 
0-2. He does put the ball in play. There down the right field line. One run is in. Two runs are in. Abernathy being waved home. There is no throw at the plate. It's a double from Dane Leonard. A three-run double. With great non-conference series against the likes of Penn State, Xavier, Pitt, and Marshall, you do not want to miss this season. Smith ready. The 1-2. Swing and a miss again. Smith gets out of it. He inherits two runners and no outs and strands both of them at second and third. Join the sports staff as they cover the Mountaineers series for the Big 12 Conference this spring, right here on U92 with the Moose. That's the ball game. West Virginia takes down number 18, Texas in Morgantown. Seems like everything's working now, everybody. But we're we're gonna find out. I'm sure something will happen. Uh, okay. I don't know. I love looking at the songs that are about to play. Like after we're done on the show here. I have no idea what any of these are. Uh, the Os Mutantes uh, with is that is that Fuga North Two. Is what that would be, I think. I have no, like, you know, I, I don't know what any of these are. Do you not know the talking heads? Talking heads are queued up. That was just, like, one that I was looking at. The who? Talking heads? Where do you even see that? I don't see oh, that. Bob? Oh, there they are. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've heard of them. I don't know anything about them. You, oh, my God. <laughs> you don't know the talking heads. No, uh, let's see. What else is on here? Let's see if oh, anybody goodness. knows. Uh, the Stone Roses. Yellow with no zero. David Bowie. Uh, Bowie? The Ramones. David Bowie. David Bowie. Oh, my God. David Bowie. <laughs> what did you just say? David Bowie. Uh, David Bowie. No, oh, my Lord. It's right there. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear you. Uh, Willie Dixon, I'm your hoochie coochie man. <laughs> uh, Hamilton, bless it. I've heard him play that out of the Beamer. Uh, um, we're never going to let him forget that. David Bowie, jeez. Yeah, you guys like to make fun David of me Bowie? for how I pronounce words, but Tanner just said David Bowie. Let's get that in the, the soundbite. David Bowie. One of the easiest names to pronounce. One of the most famous He's right musicians. He's literally right He's there. sitting behind <laughs> David Bowie. There's a is, giant poster of him. I didn't even see that. Okay. And Tanner Bowie. said Bowie. Yeah, that's what I know, man. No, you, you do not. No, I actually knew that. Actually you did that. not know no, Ziggy Stardust. I actually Stardust. knew Ziggy Stardust, yeah. Mm, I definitely yeah. did a project on that in 10th grade. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, no, I swear. Wait, you had, to, you had to do a project in 10th grade on David Bowie, and you still don't know how to pronounce well, his name? she just said Bowie. What, yeah, it was Bowie's the same thing. No, no, it's not. She just said Bowie. Don't try thing. to get out of this. It's the same thing. No, it's I, not. I ended up doing my project on Willie Nelson's The Red-Headed Stranger album. Who's that? Oh, come on. I know oh. who Willie Nelson is. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, that wasn't funny. Sorry. <laughs> Nobody laughed. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's right. a great album. The Red-Headed Stranger? No? Oh, okay. Um, Can we talk about basketball, please? 
Yeah, uh, I want to yeah, really... look at some other stuff. Um, or like talk about the other stuff first before we go to basketball because I know it's going to get heated. It shouldn't get heated at all. I mean, I don't think there's anything to get angry about. No, it's just going to get like frustrated. Here's the one thing, too, really quickly. I mean, really quick. Let's just get into it. 76 74 is the final of Lawrence. Uh, so there you go. Crushing. Um, Crushing. But, you know, they both score 41 points in the second half. This was a tight game all the way through. When you go back to the end of the first half there, that's almost more problematic for me than that final possession. Where you are up. I think you're up five almost with like a minute left of the first half, right? And then you let Kansas take a lead because you turned the ball over twice there at the end of the first. You, you went to, to Lawrence, had 21 turnovers, and still a chance to win it at the end of the game. You can't just point at that final possession saying it was the only problem, okay? The fact that they even had that final possession. Right, that, that like, should be enough to be like, they should have won this game outright. They had, well, yes, they had all those turnovers. They still had a chance at the final possession. But I'm talking that last... 30 seconds, um, you know, getting the steal, uh, getting that dunk out of it, you know, perfect traps, all those, like, that. their defense at the end to even give them a shot at that final possession was, like, hats off. Like, that was that to me was Bob Huggins. That to me was the West Virginia that I remember watching before I even was, like, involved in the university, any of that, where I knew Press Virginia, Bob Huggins, defense, they forced turnovers, things like that. That, to me, was like, okay, there it is. There's that full court, stealing the ball, easy dunk out of it, perfect traps, making them call timeouts. Almost got a five-second after they burned that first yeah, timeout. Almost yeah. got another one. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that to me, to, make it a two-point game. to me, like, that took guts to go into Lawrence and do that, despite, you know, not playing a good game, to even give yourself a shot at the end. To me, that was impressive. Well, I mean, when you look at it, they only had three points from non-starters in this game. So did so did Kansas. No, I know it was a they very went, weird. It's very sloppy. Game. Very well, forty like, total turnovers between both teams. If you just looked at the box score and you looked at the shooting splits, West Virginia shot forty-five percent from the field and twenty-eight percent from three. And if you look at Kansas, they shot fifty-four percent from the field and fifty uh, percent from three. If you're just looking at those and you didn't know the score, you would have thought that and then, Kansas ran away with this and, one. And then you look at the offensive boards for the Mountaineers. They had 14 offensive boards. I remember a lot of times they just kept missing and getting the board, and then they just got second chance opportunities. Yeah, Kansas only had six. And you know, I, I think, and I think the rebounds was big. And then you take a look at Kansas only shot 58.8 percent from the charity stripe. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, there were so many for chances for the Mountaineers yeah. to win this game. I mean, they had 21 turnovers, like we already mentioned. Kansas only scored 20 points off of those. Which that's not a, something they're that you, usually a team. Yeah, that's, that's usually that, that that lives off of you know. But this is usually a team that'll make you pay for the exactly mistakes the, issue, the issue, especially at home and especially I mean, for West Virginia. West Virginia. Five points off of the Kansas turnover. So Kansas turned the ball over. Uh, let me pull up the full box score. That would be that would be even less points off turnovers if there were five or six crucial turnovers at the top of the key that handed up like layups, just fast break. Wide open layups, um, and like those are absolute backbreakers. Uh, especially there was one late in the second. There was like two there, back to back, late in the second half where they just got layups out of them. Yeah, uh, no, I just... agree. Um, yeah, so to close out the first half, West Virginia was up. I, I just wanted to go back to this to give it to you. They were up thirty-three uh, to thirty with two minutes left in the first half. They foul Kansas. Kansas goes, ties it at 32. Uh, and then Eric Stevenson 
uh, goes to the foul line, I guess, and makes one, makes it 33-32, but then they give up a three-pointer right at the end of the half that they shouldn't have. I mean, that right there was the difference as yeah. well. I mean, you can look at both halves the way that they were closed out and say the opportunity was there for this team. And Huggins, after the game, said that that was not the play call that he had for the end of the game. Where well, the issue was. was around. But I think it was because the guys didn't really move around either. When you go back and watch it, it's Joe trying to move around, but you don't yeah, I mean, people you are see watching Emmett him. kind of stand there, but Eric's not cutting anywhere because he's waiting to get the ball because the play's designed for him, but... When 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 nothing's happening, you got to start moving around instead. Then, right? Yeah, and, and nobody you throw out that play call, not let Joe just dribble it for twenty four seconds. People pe- then travel at the end. Like I don't put all of it on Joe. Yes, Toussaint. that's what I was about to say. Like, people want to point the finger at Joe Tucson, and there is some blame to go on him. I mean, I'm he, sure he he's tried, he gave it to Evan Matthews, who gave it right back to him. And but that's the, like if they were going to get a shot, that was the shot that they needed to take was that corner three. Yeah. Like that was, and I. So pe- people want to point the fingers I mean, but- at Tucson. Clearly, like he was the one with the ball. I'm sure he puts a lot of blame on himself. But that whole team, and it, it takes me back to, uh, did Bob? Like I don't know. I mean, he I get he. They the play. No, 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 I know. I, I, I get he called the play. It probably one that they already had set. But my thing was going to be, I mean, I wasn't too upset with the timeouts that he called. Had he kept one in his back pocket there to yeah. draw up, get people organized. Um, because that was the, that was the other thing. Like you right. can call a play, but, they didn't, but when you're coming down, right. like yeah, if yeah, if right. you don't have it, like one person doesn't hear it or something like that, it kind of throws everything off. You don't know what you're getting because it, you know, it, it was just. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to fault him for using his timeouts early because he used well, them. He at, he, yeah. he used them. At, he I think he used them at the right times where oh Kansas went up quick six or seven. Let's use one before this gets really out of hand, which is something that. Huggins doesn't normally do, and I've always kind of, like I haven't minded it. He lets he lets the team play. Like they, they start to fall behind, he lets his team try to figure it out and get out of it. Because I like having timeouts at the end for situations like that. But um, he, you could tell he wanted this one really bad. Like yeah. he, oh, he, he he wanted he, this one. He really always bad. wants the one in Kansas. He always wants to beat well, Kansas. He hasn't had it yet. And they've exactly. never. Now I will say, I will say, if the the refs both ways, I'm not blaming this one. Like the outcome of the game is not regarded by the refs. It, like all the complaining that he did, they were terrible both ways, but they there were worse calls in our favor. I think Case there were worse. Had like seven offensive fouls in the first half. Yeah, they had no, six in the first I, half, I, I and was, I'd say I'd say like two of them were legit. Yeah, like two of them were legit. Yeah, there's some. There's some interesting. It's been really interesting. Some of those charges. Cause, cause was it the Oklahoma State game where they called the foul on the three point shot where the guy or was that in Bay? I don't remember where. I know it was a West Virginia game where. Uh, I think it was Eric on the outside, and the guy opposite him takes a three-pointer, but like leans into him first, and then pretends to fall back from him, and they call the foul on him right at the end of the game. Do you guys remember this? Yeah, that's also a rule they took away in like the NBA. The shooter can't initiate contact right, like that. Right. But do you remember that? And they called a foul on Eric, and then yeah. it was three points the other way. Yeah. It was not even a foul at all, and it was travel as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like. There, there are moments you can go back and look at this year, and obviously, you know, you hate to complain about the refs every time, but I agree with you. If I thought the officiating was going to go anyway, you know, you have an idea of how it's going to go out there in Lawrence. And, and that's See, everyone keeps saying everyone's that. Had, but everyone's it's had so their issues with officiating Tanner, this year. It's frustrating. There's been twelve Big Twelve wins in Lawrence since West Virginia joined the Big Twelve. No it team is, has more than three. It's, Virginia has. It's nine almost like it's almost like Kansas State. is a really good team. It's almost like Kansas has a great coach, and it's almost like they have a great atmosphere. 
it's hard to win in that arena. Twelve times in twelve years, dude. It's hard to win. They're like one of the best teams in the country. I understand, but when you look at the record of West Virginia versus Kansas, there versus here at the Coliseum, West Virginia has a winning record against Kansas here, and they've never even won a game out there. That's all I'm saying. I'm, the Coliseum is a tough place to play as well. Like, uh, okay, I, I I guess, but I, I just was bad both ways, and it's something that you see across college basketball. I think it's because there's not enough officials. I think it's because they're being overworked in a lot of games. Like we we see, you know, weekends where Kip Kissinger's been here. He's been at Ohio State and he's been in Indiana over a three day span, refing mm. a game every day. Sometimes two games in one day. It, I, I mean, the issue it's, is it's not okay. We're watching, especially in the Big Twelve. Big Twelve refs get a lot of hate. It's the Big Twelve is so physical. It's hard to officiate those games. It, I mean, yeah, it's no, just I get it. like it's so. What do you? call because you can't call everything in the big 12 or else you'll have 40 fouls everyone's gonna foul well, out in the big 12 there's a game with 50 that west virginia's played this like, year i think that was the uh iowa state had a lot it, of fouls no it was here yeah iowa was state it, here there were okay. 12 total fouls in the first three minutes of the game yeah i don't remember if who who was at that one did we what? do sports night that night which one Yes, yeah, 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 there was sports yeah. night. I was there at was the game. Night. You were at the game, and yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was here. I remember a coach, one of the coaches, saying, "You know, there was forty-eight fouls here tonight. What do you expect? I mean, this is this wasn't a basketball." Jamie Dixon said that early on in the season, but there's another. There's one, one TCU too. Yeah, the TCU game here. Yeah, that was way earlier, but like two or three weeks ago, I want to say, I'll look through the schedule here and see if I can figure it out. It is a hard to officiate when you have teams going at it like the Big Twelve does. I mean, yeah, but I will say. Like to your point, it's more than the Big Twelve. You see it come tournament time. You see all the Big that. Ten right. a lot too. And, and, I mean, yeah, you know, no, it's physical, not just you know. here. That's what I'm yeah. saying. You know, it's these guys who have to officiate five or six days a week, yep. and it's just too much, and it's not fair yeah, to them Kissinger, either. As you said, Kissinger's doing like Big Twelve, Big Ten. Like he's going to Nebraska, Indiana. I, I, like I heard he was doing mid-major games too. At sometimes, yep. like just, yep. I mean. I, I, I think it's crazy. I feel bad for the refs. I mean, I really do. But, yes, you can also be very frustrated with sometimes how they officiate a game, I think. And, and those things can be independent of each other. You can, but I, I don't like... I don't like using it as an excuse. It shouldn't be because both teams are playing with it. And like you said... But that's what you're saying. That's what you're saying. No, I'm not saying that it's... When it comes the, to Allen Fieldhouse. No, I think that it's, it's just a, a very weird anomaly that there's been 12 Big 12 wins there in 12 years. I get that they're a really good team, but I mean, you can go and look at other teams that are really good, and they don't have a record like that at home. I don't know if it's crazy. Duke's lost twelve conference games in twelve years, including this year. They haven't lost at home this year. Okay. Yeah, no, I just think it's interesting. It's also what the ACC. He said it's also Duke. Okay, so yeah, so that's the officials are also on Duke's favor for inside. Oh, don't Cameron. even tell me they're not. Oh, what? What? So good teams are good because of the officials. Not always, but sometimes they get the benefit of the doubt more than a team like West Virginia does because they're known for being press Virginia. I think that that's a that's a fact. Actually, I feel like West Virginia during like watching those games as an like outside of I had absolutely no interest in West Virginia. Like I just watched press Virginia because of them being press Virginia. They got away with so much physical contact. Like, so much. Yeah, but physical contact is part of the game. I'm saying no, like, when they're on offense, 
and they're they, they don't get calls sometimes when there should be a foul called on the other team. Is what I'm saying. But it happens to the, the, every the, team. The game in Kansas last year, the foul disparity was insane. That happens to every team. All right, let me. Let that me happens. This number. I don't. That happens to teams like Duke. Look at the Virginia game. They literally had the call right. Go to the monitor. Flip it to the wrong call. Like that happens to every team. Okay. Every team. People just want to point it out more for the good teams because they win more. So you're going to look at okay, why are they winning? Oh, well, there was this good call. There was this good call that they got. Okay, the losing team, you could still look at the game and go, okay, the losing team got this good call, this good call. Like, it's in every game. All right. I'm 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 looking up something. You guys can talk more. Yeah. And you see you haven't given us your thoughts on Saturday. Hamilton, Sean. I didn't, I didn't watch it, okay. honestly, truthfully. Were you working I, or what? Um, well, Sean and I were calling the women's basketball game. Oh, that's game. right, yeah. Um, Which we can I mean, I was well. watching it a little bit while I was, like, upstairs before the game. Um, I knew what I was going to expect, like, going into that game. Like, I think they were 18-point underdogs. Really? Yeah, no, they definitely played um, better than a lot of people gave but them. But this is my point. thing. You, They were 10 points? Yep. I saw 18, I saw 10. <laughs> um, but... You know, we haven't hit, like, bracketology in, like, the tournament yet. But looking at that game and how West Virginia played, almost having Kansas in Lawrence, I don't think there's any doubt that they should get a bid. Like, you have teams who, you know, the Big 12 is the most competitive and probably the hardest conference to play in. Like, everyone says that. And there's no denying it. Like, you – like. How is West Virginia, like a lot of people on Twitter, I have Pitt fans who are friends of mine, and they're like, how is Pitt, who I think are number one in the... The new music pioneer, 91.7, U92. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Sean Tansky. And I'm Tanner Meadows. Subscribe to our podcast, TNT with Tanner and Tansky, on your preferred podcast platform. We talk all the sports world fun. Join us for our daily heat checks of the sports world and on Funky Fridays for the weekly sports question, right here as part of U92. Baseball season is back on U92. 
Catch every home game on 91.7. But Sarah Bates now, two seconds on the shot clock. She's got to throw one up. Hits the, hits the, hits it. <laughs> Sarah Bates from deep. What's popping? What's popping? Do you like? Have you been missing out on quality? Are your mornings poor? I think. So we got 20 minutes left. We'll finish what we were talking about really quickly, and then we got to talk about this women's team too, because I think they're going to make the tournament for sure. Uh, almost at this point, they've got some favorable matchups here, and they're going to get a first round buy in the Big Twelve tournament and all of these things, uh, which is a very good thing. Um, so, really quickly, Tanner and Jonathan, you were still talking uh, about the geography of Texas. So, what do you want to know about? What, what was your? Question? I'm just saying that, like, like, so if it's in Dallas, it's closest for TCU. It sounds like it's TCU four hours in Oklahoma. Austin, it sounds like it's from, like it's from what I'm hearing from the complaints and all the things. It sounds like. Nothing will ever be good unless it's in Morgantown. Because here's the thing. We have the worst travel in the Big 12. So you put it all the way down in Texas. Yeah. Well, we're the team that has to fly the furthest. You put it in Kansas, right in the middle with well, everyone. That's, well, that's a, your well, favorite in Kansas in Missouri, there. Dude. W, w, I mean, like, yeah, right by Kansas. or made its bed in Layton. I mean, like, you know, they joined the Big 12. Yeah. They knew that it was a bunch of south-central U.S. teams. I mean, right, know, it, it's like, all central. I mean, they're the only Eastern Standard Time Zone team. Everybody else is in the central, central time yeah. zone. Kansas City is a fairly neutral spot that's easy for everybody to get into because here's the thing, too. There's, it's not easy to fly into Ames, Iowa. It's not easy to fly into Lubbock. It's not easy to fly into Waco. It's not easy to fly into here. None of these teams are in major cities besides Texas. Texas. <laughs> and, I mean, Norm, Norman, not really. Yeah, TCU is easy because it's Fort Worth. Fort Worth, yeah. and, and that's the Dallas airport. But, like, and, and so, like, TCU, that was a home site Big 12 tournament baseball down there at Globe Life Field where the Texas Rangers play. And it used to be in Oklahoma City, which just wasn't very accessible for everyone. I, I mean, you, I'm just I'm just tired of hearing it as a complaint and an excuse well, no, it, and saying it, it, and people calling out the Big Twelve for favoring Kansas. Like it, that's not what this is at all. It's not. Um, but they keep talking about it, and it's just, well, just so don't frustrating. look at the other people on Twitter. Then that's what I do because I agree. It's annoying. It's not even the people on Twitter. It's. It's other people. Well, but. then don't be friends with those people, Tanner. No, it's not. It's, you need to cut those toxic those people, people out of your life, Tanner. Right. Come on. Um, I mean, I don't even know where else you'd put it. What, I mean, St. Louis? I don't know. <laughs> that's not any different than... I'm just playing... I don't know. <laughs> no, you're not going to put it in New York. <laughs> New York. Um, Big East. Big East. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess Chicago... That's Big Ten. No, don't they do? They're not in Indianapolis. This yeah, that's year. still a they're Big Ten city. They're starting to move city. it around because they're going to put it in DC next year or something. I think. So I, I know who's going to put Ten's it in technically uh, all. Big Ten. That's a really? Big Ten city. I mean, I know technically they're going to add. They have the New York market, the yeah. Washington market, the Big Ten. They have the New York market. They have the Washington what? market. They they're going to have the LA, LA market. They could do LA they're now. Chicago market. So I, I guess now that that's the they're case, in, maybe uh, you could. But the Big Ten's in Chicago. Yeah, it's in Chicago. Chicago. Um, yeah, I mean, because like literally, I don't. I mean, when you think about the geography for a place that can, because the women are there too. Like, don't forget that the women's mm-hmm. teams are also there. They're playing three blocks away from each other. Like, it, it makes sense to me. All right, let's talk about the women. Unless you have anything else to add, Anissa or Sean? No, I, I've very much enjoyed that discourse. Okay, <laughs> I enjoy not knowing how to work this computer. Apparently, um, definitely. All right, the women's team. I'm going to let Anissa and Sean lead because they were there. Uh, so let Anissa go first. She's been waiting to talk, it seems like, over there on her computer. Yeah. Uh, 
Women played on Saturday night. You guys sounded great. Congratulations. Good job. Thank great. you. We appreciate Sean Tansky wore a white t shirt. He did not. Sean wore a very oh. nice Phillies polo. I saw his very, he looks very lie, handsome though. on his Twitter. I'm not going to lie, though. <laughs> I did tell Tanner when he was saying, oh, Sean wore what? It looked like Sean wore a white t shirt. I said, well, I was inside the Coliseum already, and Sean was Bless. in the box office, like for the tickets to get like our passes and stuff. And I seriously thought he was wearing a white t shirt. What a handsome gentleman right here. Look at <laughs> As this. As Hamilton pulls huh? up. Sean's hey, new profile picture. So look at my face. Hashtag profile new profile picture. And you look better in that one. It's with your suit and tie on. I, I, I wasn't wearing a suit jacket at that, but it was a nice jacket. I wore the same jacket on Saturday. We, all right, whatever. Fine. <laughs> whatever sure, it is. Let's talk about the game. Whatever. So it was, you know, I was, I liked seeing the Mountaineers win again against this Kansas State team. Um Sarah Bates transferred in to Kansas State Who? a couple years ago. <laughs> I, I can't do the voice. <laughs> Tanya, you want to do it? I don't even know if I could do it. <laughs> Sarah just... Bates. Sarah Bates. Is that how I said it? Yeah. Oh, it's in that promo. Um, That's what the, you guys are crazy. Well, that was like my little like fun fact of the game. She transferred in there 2018, 2019, had a red shirt because, you know, NCAA transfer regulations. She's rules. from Georgia Tech. She came from Fresno. Then she went to Kansas State. Yep. Then she went to Georgia Tech, okay. and then she's here. Okay. Her fourth Division wow. One school. Like she's Stevenson. like Eric Stevenson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It's just you know, I you know liked the game. It was good. They played really good, except for the third, the third quarter, where you know we knew that they were going to hit that dry spell, and we were just waiting for it to happen. Like it's not even a matter of if. It'll happen. It's a matter of when it happens. And it eventually did happen. And the Mountaineers had a really good lead over Kansas State for a majority of the game. I think it's 15. Yeah, yeah it Sean's saying 15, 15 yeah. or so. And then they just totally let it get away from them in the third. I mean, obviously they were able to recoup and come back from that. But it's just, you know, it's one of those things, I think, that if they do, you know, like we're saying, you know, if they do make the tournament – and they do go far during the Big 12 championships in Kansas City, that third quarter dry spell could kill them. Like, it mm. could be detrimental to them in any single game that they play down there. Yeah, so um, they scored seven points in the third quarter. But I can't. Point. But <laughs> the funny thing is you thing can't really here. say the team scored seven po- points. That was all Madison Smith. Right. She scored all of those points. Every player so, scored, by the way, which yeah, I don't think has happened. They did. This so year. the big big takeaway I saw there is, and we've known this this entire season and pretty much her entire career, they're going to go as far as Madison Smith can lead them. And we know this, and it's the Madison Smith and J.J. Quinterly show. Those are their two best players. Those are their leaders on their team. But J.J. Quinterly uh, struggled a little bit that game. She wasn't that involved in the offense. Played a ton of minutes like she always does. But what we've been saying for this team this entire year is we know how good Madison Smith and J.J. Quinterly are. Who is going to be that third player to really step up? And on Saturday, it was uh, Jayla Hemingway. She had a big game. Um, As soon as uh, Kansas State tied the game, Coach Pete doesn't call a timeout, just let it run. Jalen Hemingway hits a big three to take the lead back, and they didn't look back at that point. Um, she had good defense. Uh, another big takeaway uh, that's really apparent that we uh, kept saying over the broadcast is 
whether West Virginia forced them to or not, Kansas State turned the ball over a lot, and they had a ton of turnovers, and West Virginia was able to capitalize on them. That's why they had such such a big lead there for a while because they were going back to their roots at the beginning of the year of they like forcing turnovers and they like scoring off of those turnovers. Yeah, you know, that's something they've done really well this season is play well defensively, right? Well, you know, they can go on a dry spell. They usually force one, too, the other way. yeah. And usually it's in the fourth quarter, not the third. Um, and they usually come out at the you know halftime and out at the start of the game sometimes hot because they just go in there and they talk about what they want to do when they get out there and that sort of thing. Um, but that is one of the things I love most about what Coach P does as a coach is the fact where things can get you know not good and they could be trending down and she's going to make sure they figure it out on the floor. I think and she, then she waits and then if they still can't, then she'll call that. I think out. I think she has a really good feel for the game yeah. and each individual game. I thought she chose her timeouts on Saturday really smart. Like she took two quick ones. Like she called a timeout, they went out to play. Some didn't work right. Called another one right then and there. Um, you know that might be criticized to some people and whatnot. Why would you just waste two? But I mean, hey, it got the team on track. It got them all set and focused. Um, and I think she's really smart with her rotations and uh, knowing when to sub in players and sub out players. Her stars are going to play a lot. That's just how it is. Um, but she knows when to break them up. She likes staring her lineups. I think that's it's really helped this team this year. I think it, like the the players deserve a lot of credit too because they go out and execute. And you could see, you can see it when they call a timeout. Like you said, coming out of halftime, things like that. It's very evident that I mean, all coaches definitely draw things up. All coaches talk about you know what needs to be fixed, what needs to happen. But you see it with the Mountaineers where it's effective, and they go out and they execute what she's talking about. A lot of teams, yeah, you can talk about it all you want, you can draw it up, but you still got to go out and do it. And this Mountaineers team has done a phenomenal job this season really executing the things that you Coach P has to be talking about during timeouts, uh, has to be talking about during halftime. So, I mean, it, it goes both ways. She's drawing up. I mean, that goes to her knowing her knowing her girls, what they can, can and can't do, uh, drawing up good things, talking, making good adjustments, and then also the, the players for going out and executing that um, and being able to perform the things and do the things that she asks. So, um it goes both ways, and I, like, I'm excited to see how they can move that forward and what else she can do here during her time, and also with a full off season to actually recruit. And now that she's building this program, it'll be exciting to watch. I will give a lot of credit to Kansas State head coach Jeff Mitty. Um, he called a timeout while Kansas State was down, I want to say, in the second quarter. And, you know, Sean and I were kind of, you know, speculating on what he was – doing that for like you know what i think it was like what, 40 seconds or so left in the second quarter and he called that timeout yeah, right it was yeah it was right before halftime and he called it and we're like okay you know i think you know he's probably gonna let them catch their breath which in the press conference somebody did ask him you know why did you take that timeout right there and he said well we wanted them to catch their breath to you know kind of sit back slow it down a bit and that's exactly what kansas state was able to do they were able to get back into the race. They were able to, you know, start off the third quarter, come out from halftime strong, you know, holding West Virginia to seven points during that quarter. And they were able to start, you know, gaining their lead back and become a Kansas State team that they are known for. I mean, Kansas State is known for their stifling defense, the women's team. And 
it wasn't evident that entire game until they hit the third quarter. So, um, you know, there was only one player who ended up fouling out from Kansas State. None of West Virginia's players got into foul trouble at any point. I don't even think, like, J.J. Quinterly is infamous for, you know, getting into foul trouble. She only had... yeah, nobody had more than two fouls for the Mountaineers. Um, but, you know, I was saying she's infamous for foul trouble, but she stayed out of foul trouble. And I think that's a really key component with this team. You cannot let the fouls dictate the way that the game goes because we've seen that a lot where, you know, JJ gets four. You know, Isis Bay sometimes comes off the bench as she's been coming into the games more and more, and she ends up with four fouls. And that's, you know... Two players that have to sit. Two key component players who have to sit because Coach P does not want them to foul out, and she has to use them a little bit more wisely. Yeah. So, um, give credit where credit is due, and that's you know Kansas State came and they battled. Yeah, yeah. This, I, I just want to add something real quick. Uh, Coach Mitty also very happy Madison Smith's graduating. Yes. He made a point. He's like, he's like I, in the press of, conference, he's like, yeah. said something Press conference, he's like, she walked today for graduation, and, and there was like, yeah, and he's like, thank God. He's like, I'm gonna have to send her a card or something. He was That's very right. happy Madison <laughs> Smith um, is retiring. Yeah, this or just you know graduating. Yeah. Graduating <laughs> is what I meant. Yeah, the job for the Mountaineers this season is not like you were talking about. You think that they're in like. I don't know. I, well, I don't. Here, here's what I was going to get into that. First and second of all, we didn't know what to expect. No, we didn't. No, this is an absolute I, successful season. Make it or not. Like, I'm not saying, okay, like, if they yeah, don't make it. it. I think on Friday, right? If they make yeah. the NIT, yeah. there's no problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. Go win the NIT. I think, like, go. That would be amazing. I, so, I don't. To your point, what you were saying is, like, you think they made a tournament. I don't know necessarily because they're. I, they're last, I believe, they're the, one of the first four teams out. Yeah. I think. They make some noise in the tor- tournament, in the Big Twelve tournament. That's where you could really say, okay, it's hard to keep this team out. And I, you know, I expect them to pick up. I expect them to cause problems for teams in this Big Twelve tournament. I really they're, do. They're I think a very hard team to play off in a one-off game. Yes, in a new in a neutral site game too. Yeah, no, yeah. I think they're going to be very disruptive, and I think uh, that's going to work well in these types of games. Yeah. Um, my so they are they're currently the third team out um, according to ESPNs. However, with the ten teams ahead of 